It's good to be together worshiping, and I want to thank you all for being here. Welcome everyone, and welcome those who are watching online. And um, today we're continuing our Elijah series, and I just want to do a little bit of quick recap before we jump into today's text. Um, First off, Elijah, that name means Yahweh is God. So Elijah, we're looking at the story of him bursting onto the scene with the people of Israel and trying to point them back to God. And his very name means Yahweh, God is my God. And so Elijah comes onto the scene at a time where the people of Israel, God's people, have kind of turned away from God. And they've started to worship other idols. King Ahab was in power. And and it says that he did more evil than all the kings before him combined. And the people of God have now kind, kind of become the people kind of of God and the people of idols. And so the people are trying to worship different gods And Elijah shows up on the scene, Yahweh is my God, God is my God, there is one true God. And Elijah shows up and he says to King Ahab in 1 Kings 17, um, that's where we were last week, he says, listen, it's not going to rain again until I say so, until God says it's time, it's not going to rain again. And last week, we saw that God then sent Elijah to the brook where he would be provided for and be protected, and and so God provided for him. And, And the main idea that we got at last week is that God is the only source of provision. You might remember there was a Tony Evans quote um, that, we, that we used, that, that God is the source, anything outside of God is just a resource, but God is the only source. Elijah's name, God is the one God. And, and so Elijah would be the messenger to turn the people back to God. And, and so last week we left it that he was being provided for at the brook by ravens by the brook. And then the brook dried up and he was sent by God to the widow in Zarephath where he was cared for by that widow. And God has provided for him. Well now, today we find ourselves three years later. It's been three years of drought. The people have experienced the pain and the struggle that that the drought has brought, and three years later, God comes to Elijah. We're in 1 Kings 18 now, and he says to Elijah, it's time. Go to Ahab, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. So three years of God providing, three years of Elijah learning to trust God's provision, and now God says, all right, get up and go to that evil king Ahab. Let's stop here for just a minute. How easy do you think it would be to say, okay, God, I'll go, think about what the, what the people, what King Ahab, what all of the other people of Israel must have thought of Elijah at this point. They probably weren't happy with him. I mean, he was the bearer of bad news, and not only that, he said, it's not going to rain until I say so. And so this calling that God has, go to King Ahab, it it's, looks simple to us, but that's a big deal. Jezebel, Ahab's wife, had been, had been at the task of trying to kill all of God's prophets. And God says, all right, Elijah, I've provided for you, now get up and go. Do you think it would be easy to say yes to that request? Have you ever been in a spot where you were asked to do something scary, and do you think you would have the confidence to say, okay, yes? 
Elijah did. Let me tell you why Elijah did. Because Elijah for three years had learned to trust in God. God had miraculously cared for him through ravens. God had provided the brook, the widow. God had done so many things. Listen, this is important for us just at the outset of this message. The kind of the theme of this whole series is that God is our, God is our source. I want you to know something that when you put your trust in God, God is faithful. God provides And the more you experience God's provision, the more you experience God taking care of you, the more you're going to be able to trust when you're called to do something difficult. So God says, get up and go to Ahab. And Elijah says, okay. Listen, today, if if you haven't put your trust in God, I want to encourage you, put your trust in God. God never fails God always provides. So Elijah, fully confident, goes to Ahab, and he he basically says, hey, let's set up the big showdown. If you didn't watch my video this week, I I talked about the big showdown. uh, uh, 1 Kings 18, Elijah and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal is the big showdown. We we often have big games, right? Big things. um, If you're a college football fan, if you're a UC fan, last week I talked about the UC Notre Dame game, and that was the, the big showdown. Last Sunday night was Tom Brady going back to New England where he spent his whole career and playing them for the first time and it's the big showdown. It's this much anticipated event and Elijah basically says, he goes to King Ahab and he says, set it up, we're having a showdown. It's high noon, get all the prophets of Baal, get everyone and show up on Mount Carmel and let's see what happens. And so the stage is set for the big showdown. 1 Kings 18, this is going to be a long text. I want you to follow with me on the screen. Verse 20 in in chapter 18. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, and let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Challenge accepted. What you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you, 450 prophets of Baal. Go ahead, you guys, go first. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it. Call in the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Remember last week I did a a wrestling impression? Like, I talked about how Elijah came onto the scene boldly, kind of like one of those wrestlers you see on TV. And here it is again. Here we see the wrestler Elijah come out. Baal's not answering, and so, so Elijah began to taunt them. 
Shout louder, he said, surely he's a god. Perhaps he's in deep thought, or he's busy, or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. Once again, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And their time was up. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the name of the Lord, or who, the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood, and then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, he, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Lord, um, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water from the trench. When, when all, amen, that's good. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What an incredible, incredible story. I hope that you guys got a picture of that as we were reading, but this is the big showdown. Elijah showed up and, and he said, hey, there's going to be a drought, and sure enough, three years of drought, and now the time has come, and he says, get everyone, meet me on Mount Carmel, we're going to see once and for all who's God, and this is what happens. Let's, let's look through this real quick. There is so much good stuff here. I'll try to get you out before two o'clock. There's so much good stuff in here. I want you to hear some of it. I mean, this, even this morning when I woke up, I read this again for the hundredth time this week, and God showed me something new. This is awesome. And, and so the big showdown, 450 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets that were leading the nation in the worship of these idols against Elijah, one prophet of God. And Elijah starts with a question that gets at the heart of this whole issue. He asks a question that I think we need to hear today. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. See, the people, they won't commit they're the people of God. God's done amazing things, has provided for them, has done miraculous things, but the people 
are wavering back and forth. The word used there is interesting. It's the word pasak. And that word, there, there's several meanings for it. And, and honestly, I've watched several sermons about this text, and several preachers have used different translations of this word. But the word waver that's translated there, pasak, means to hesitate, to limp, to dance, or to halt. And so Elijah says, how long are you going to dance between these two opinions? How long are you going to limp between these two opinions? Listen, I'm going to tell you today, I don't think it matters which of those words you use. The meaning is the same. The people won't commit. The people are trying to play both sides. They haven't fully denounced God, but they're worshiping Baals. They haven't fully left God, but, but they, when it's convenient, they worship God, and then when it's convenient, they go worship Baal, and so they're playing both sides. They're dancing back and forth. They're limping back and forth. They can't make a decision. How many of you love indecisive people, indecisive things? All right, none of you. <laughs> As a staff, so uh, as a staff, we every week on Tuesday after staff meeting we go to lunch, and we are so indecisive that we've come up with a beautiful system where every person gets to put two names in, two restaurants in, and then we have vetoes. And once everyone runs out of vetoes, that's where we're going to lunch. That's how indecisive we can be sometimes. We don't love indecisive people, do we? We don't love wavering or flip flopping, do we? I mean, how many of you love how politicians are really good at saying, I believe this, but I'm going to vote for this. Or I believe this today, but in a year, I believe this. But we love flip-flopping, right? No. Uh, one, one time I went with um, Pastor Rick and Pastor Adam. We went down to Tennessee. Pastor Rick's a big Titans fan. And so to appreciate him, we said, we're going to go down to a Titans game. And so we go down, and I need to tell you something about myself just so you can understand this story a little bit better. I made fun of Jay last week for being a planner. He's a great planner. You know who's not a great planner? This guy. And when I pack for a trip, I pack as if the weather is gonna be exactly what it is right here, right now. So if I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt and I'm going to Alaska, I'm gonna pack a lot of short sleeve shirts because I'm not smart enough to figure out that maybe it's gonna be cold there. So we go down to Tennessee for this football game and I pack a bunch of short sleeve shirts and a bunch of clothes that are for warm weather and we get down there and it is really cold. It's rainy, it's cold, it's in like the 50s. And so I decide that what we're going to do is we're going to go to TJ Maxx and I'm going to get myself a sweatshirt, one of the team's sweatshirts. You know, I'll get a Titans shirt and then I'll be able to wear it to the game. I'll be warm. It'll be all good. And so we go to TJ Maxx and I'm looking through and there's all these Titans sweatshirts and they all cost like 50 bucks. I don't want to spend 50 bucks on a Titans shirt. I'm not even a Titans fan. 50 bucks. And then there's this one hoodie and it's a really nice hoodie. And it's a Nike one, and it's 20 bucks. The problem was, it was an Indianapolis Colts hoodie. That's who the Titans were playing. So what do you do? Do you spend 50 bucks for the Titans hoodie and root for the home team, or do you spend 20 bucks, get a nice hoodie that you'll wear again, even though I'm not a Colts fan? You know what I did, right? I bought the Colts hoodie. 
And I went to the Titans game wearing a Colts hoodie. And I'm with Rick, who's a big Titans fan, and I wanted to root for the Titans so bad. I used to live in Nashville. I went to high school in Nashville. And I wanted to root for the Titans, but I couldn't because I was wearing a Colts hoodie and I would have looked ridiculous. And so every time they score a touchdown, I'm like, no, that's too bad. That's a bummer. And all these people are having a great time and cheering, and I'm like, I can't be a part of this. Because I bought a Colts hoodie. And so many times I thought, maybe I should just take the Colts hoodie off and freeze and be a Titans fan. And I'm wavering back and forth. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We don't love wavering. We don't love hesitation or indecisiveness. But can I tell you that, that our world is full of wavering? Can I tell you that I think the church sometimes is full of wavering? between God and idols. I think we're pretty good at saying, God, I trust you fully. We're here on Sunday. God, I trust you. You are God. Yes, you are the source. And then Tuesday, Wednesday comes and things get hard. And we start to do it our way. And we start to dance back and forth between the God, the God, the one true God, the source, and false gods. God, I will obey you in everything. I trust you. I'm going to live by your word. But you know what? It's just not convenient today. So I think I'll live this way and I'll try it my way. God, I'm I'm going to, my relationship is all for you, but right now I just really need to focus on my way. And we waver. The people of God had been playing both sides. They'd been dancing back and forth. And the reason I don't think it matters which translation you use there is because I think if you're dancing between two, you're limping. You're hesitating. There's a saying in football. There's a saying that if you have two quarterbacks that you play, you have no quarterbacks. And the idea there is that you, if you have a, so last week, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, we went to that game. Desmond Ritter is the Cincinnati quarterback. He's their star quarterback. There's no doubt he's going to be the one leading Cincinnati. But Notre Dame couldn't figure it out and played three different quarterbacks all game long. You didn't know which guy was going to come in. And guess, guess which worked out better? Having one solid choice. We can't be indecisive and waver. It's the same thing as limping. It's the same thing as not getting full commitment. And so the question that Elijah asked the people of Israel is a question that I think we need to ask ourselves today. How long will we waver between two opinions? If God is God, quit messing around with all that other junk. And if God's not and that other junk is God, then by all means, commit to it. But quit pretending that you're with God. Why do you waver between two opinions? So now it's the prophets of Baal's turn. It's the big showdown. He says, how long are you going to waver? And then he says, you know what? You guys go first. There's a bunch of you, 450. Go ahead. Get it out of the way. Go. And so in verse 26, they set up their altar. And they set up the sacrifice there, and it, and it says, Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. So we're talking hours here. 450, picture this, on a mountain, 450 prophets of Baal calling out to Baal for hours trying to get the response from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. 
No one answered. And, and then this, this is kind of cool. And they danced around the altar. You know what that word danced is? It's pasak. It's the same word as why do you waver back and forth? Why do you dance back and forth? Why do you limp back and forth? And so when Baal didn't show up, you know what they did? They did a little more dancing, a little more limping. And they said, Baal, please show up. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said, surely, surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe, maybe he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder. What do you do when Baal's not working out? You shout louder. It's probably just that they weren't shouting loud enough, right? So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. They're doing everything they can to try to get Baal to answer them. Midday passed. They continued their, listen to this word, frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. 450 prophets of Baal. Hours. Crying out. Dancing. Doing everything in their power to get Baal to respond. And nothing. You know why? Do you know why nothing happened? Because Baal is not God. God is God. And you can pretend all you want that false idols and Baals are God, but they're not and they can't respond because they don't have that power. Idols cannot provide. They cannot. They can trick us, they can mimic provision, they can trick us into thinking they're providing, but they do not have the ability of the one true God to create and sustain. Let me tell you how this works. The people of Israel go and they say, Baal, bring rain, and it just so happens to rain. And they think, Baal gave us rain. But we see in this story, Baal doesn't control the rain, God does. Maybe you go to work and you say, I'm going I'm to put all my trust in work or in this relationship. I'm going to do it my way. And maybe it works out for a while and things are good and you feel content and you feel like you're getting what you need from these false idols. It's not them. They can't be the source. There is only one source and it's God. And so when it really counts, and that's what happens when you put your trust in things that are not the source, what happens is at some point, the ticket's called and it can't provide and you're left empty. And so when it really counts, Baal was nowhere to be found. So what do they do? Well, let's dance some more. Let's scream louder. Let's cut ourselves and bleed. That should work. And they do everything they can. Let me make, let me make a um, suggestion here. That you don't have to dance and beg and plead and cry out when you're sure something's going to happen. Think about that for a minute. You don't have to run around in circles and cut yourself and do all these things if you know that your God is God. We're going to see that in a minute. 
They're doing everything they can. See, with idols, it's always on us to perform. When, when the relationship isn't providing what it needs to, when work isn't providing what it needs to, what do we do when our trust is there? Oh, well, I've just got to work harder. I've got to change this. I've got to do this. And we dance around trying to make things, trying to give things power that have no power. At the end of the day, there's one God there's one source. And so then we see it's Elijah's turn. I want to look at verse 33 for a second. It's not going to be up on the screen. But there's this cool moment where the Baals have had their chance. Nothing's happened. No one's answered. Now it's Elijah's turn. And he does this weird thing where he says, hey, go get me four large jars of water. I want you to take those four large jars of water and I want you to pour them on the sacrifice, on the altar, just douse it, just, you know, drench it. And they do that. And he says, you know what? I think you should do it one more time. Get four more large jars of water and they pour it on. And you know what? Let's do it a third time. Twelve jars of water poured on the sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. Is it easier or harder to light something on fire when it's wet? I think we all are getting that right, aren't we? It's almost as if Elijah is saying, okay, you've done everything you can to get your gods to respond. Now I want you to do everything you can to keep the one true God from responding. And I, I think it's kind of, I haven't read this anywhere. It, this is just something that I felt you know, I saw in scripture that I hadn't seen before, but 12 jars of water, that's an odd number, right? There's 12 tribes of Israel. And I don't think it's just, hey, hey, do everything you can to keep God, but I think it's that you've already been doing everything you can. All of Israel has turned away from God. So do, do your very best. Do your very best. In verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice... The prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. This is important. The, the prophets of Baal did everything they could to try to coax Baal to do what they wanted to be done. Elijah says, God, show them that you are God, that I am just your servant, and that this is all your plan. This is significant. There's a big difference between our God and the false gods. And the false gods can't do anything, so they're not initiating anything. But our God has a plan. Our God initiates. Our God is not to be manipulated. It doesn't, he, God doesn't need to be manipulated. God is the initiator. This whole thing is happening because of God's plan. God said, Elijah, go to the people. I'm going to bring a drought. God let three years go by and then said, go back to them. God said, go to Mount Carmel, do this whole thing. This is not Elijah's work. This is the work of God. This is important because we can try all we want to make false gods into gods. We can coax them, we can dance, we can cut ourselves, we can do all of those things. It'll be silent. 
Our God comes after us. Our God initiates. Our God is the reason this whole thing is happening. He's God. He's the source. Not only that, I think this is pretty interesting. God wants to provide for the people. Imagine this. A God creates all of these people, and these people decide that they would rather follow their own gods, and they turn away from God. Why does God have the showdown at Mount Carmel? Is it to say, I told you so? Is it to make the people look silly? No. It's because God loves us. And when our hearts get out of whack, God wants to turn us back, which leads us to verse 37. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Not only is God the creator, the sustainer, the initiator, God turns our hearts back when we get lost. I mean, this is a moment, we don't often think of this. This is this big epic showdown. You know what this really is? This is the creator God whose people have lost their way and God is doing this to turn their hearts back. God's power turns our hearts back to him. We're forgetful, we're idolatrous, we on our own could never do it, but our God loves us. And when we get lost, when we're lost sheep, God comes after us, turns our hearts back. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell. That's a a significant word. The fire of the Lord fell. Nothing sparked on the ground and started a fire. This is fire from heaven fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up all the water in the trench. God showed up. God took care of everything. And God didn't just take care of the sacrifice. God said, you know what? I'm going to burn up those stones too. How about that wood? The soil, the water, God shows up. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The third thing I want you to know about God's power is that God's power is greater than you can ever imagine. Elijah says, hey, burn up this sacrifice. God says, I'll do you one better. I'm going to take everything. I don't know about you, but when I've put my trust in God and God's shown up, it's been so much more than I ever could have imagined. Our God not only created us and initiates, our God not only turns our hearts back, but our God is more powerful than all the other stuff combined. These things are created by God. Our God is God and is more powerful than we can ever fathom. There's this thing I I missed earlier. I want to get back to you. Twelve jars of water. Twelve jars of water. What's going on in this story? What are they in the middle of? A drought. And Elijah says, go get me twelve large jars of water in the middle of a drought. And the people do it. You know where that water came from? It came from, we think, their own personal supply because there's no other water around. And, and Elijah says, I want you to take the little bit of water you have and I want you to take, bring it here and I want you to do everything you can to keep God from showing up. And the people did it. And God showed up in this incredible, 
incredible way. God's power is greater than we can ever imagine. Listen, the big showdown, have you ever had the buildup for a big game or a big fight? Or uh, I remember we went to watch the Holyfield-Tyson fight and it was this, all this buildup. I mean, that's like 20 some years ago and it was, everything was built up. It was the biggest event that was ever happening and 30 seconds in, it was over. That's what this showdown was like. This wasn't a showdown. This was a God, the God, showing up, flexing, and all the other fake false gods, silent. Listen, Elijah started with the question, how long will you waver? How long will you dance back and forth between two opinions? God shows up. God is faithful. Listen, I don't know, maybe some of you today would say, hey, I'm not wavering, I'm all in. Today, we need to stop dancing. We need to stop wavering. And and maybe if you're all in already and you're pointed today, maybe, maybe it's just an opportunity for you to one more time say, God, you are God. Elijah, Yahweh is God. And I'm gonna put my trust in you. But maybe there's some people here. I I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I know there's some people here who have been dancing back and forth. They've been limping back and forth. And we can't choose. We want to play both sides. We want to serve God on Sundays, but on Wednesdays, I want to do it my way. I want to put all my trust in you unless it's not working and I think I need to do something else. I want to obey your word unless it's not convenient Man, if that's you today, stop dancing. Stop dancing between two things that aren't even in the same ballpark. God is God. Our God shows up. Our God takes it all. These can do nothing. The worship team's gonna come, and I wanna ask you today, whether you're all in Maybe it's just I'm going to commit one more time to God, but if there's anyone here that would say, I've kind of been dancing, I've kind of been limping, I've kind of been wavering back and forth, quit dancing. There is one God. There is one source. God is God. Father, we love you today. I thank you for each person that's in here. I thank you for each person that's watching online. And Lord, you know that we're imperfect and you know at times we can get off track. But I thank you, God, that you not only created us and sustain us, but that you, when we get off track, turn our hearts to you. And so today my prayer is the same as Elijah's, that Lord, you would show up and that you would show us that you are God and that you would turn our hearts to you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us right now would say we put our trust and our faith in you. If there's anyone here that's been wavering, dancing, Lord, I pray that this would be the end of it, but that you would show them your glory, that we would choose you today. We love you, Jesus. We turn our hearts. We give everything to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand up. And as we respond, I want you to choose God today. Choose Jesus, the one true God.